Uh, I'm Matt JF. I'm a, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Kentucky. Um, I've been a, uh, I've been a compulsive overeater my entire life for me. Like that's, that's what I know is true about me. Um, my top, I'm five foot eight. I'm 49 years old. My top weight was in 2003 at 380 pounds. So a little hefty for five foot eight. Um, that's when I had gastric bypass surgery and not the dainty laparoscopic kind like most people get today. I was gutted like a fish. They rerouted my small intestine like the whole nine yards. Um, and until 2019, uh, in February, I, I maintained about 110 pound weight loss. So my weight, you know, I was still five foot eight. My weight was uh, around 260, uh, 270 pounds. And uh, my, my body was better. My, my, physical, uh, my physical body was better. My spiritual body was uh, a mess because I didn't do any work. And I know I am a true compulsive overeater, not a heavy eater, not a hard eater, because uh, there was a moment, it was about 10 years ago in a therapist's office, that I had a sudden, a sudden realization. And I remember leaning forward and looking at him and saying, Coney, I really think that I, I eat until I'm physically uncomfortable so that I don't have to feel the un, like my unpleasant feelings that I don't want to feel because it just crowds out. Like I can't feel anything but the discomfort. And it's funny. I, I remember him. He's, he's a good friend now. Uh, I remember, I remember the expression on his face as like knowing and a little sad, like, Oh, that's adorable. Um, and, and he was like, yeah, you, you do. And I remember saying, well, this changes everything. And nothing changed. So that's how I know I'm a true compulsive overeater. If I was not a true compulsive overeater, that knowledge would suffice. I would be able to solve my problem. Um, but I can't. Um, and, and that, too, and I'll back into the reading in a second because I want to talk a little bit about feelings and fear. Um, I, I, my, my in February, What happened in February of of 2019 was that um, uh, I, I, I was not looking for a solution to my, my weight, my, my overeating or anything. And also, I, I hope you'll forgive the brief language, but I thought that Overeaters Anonymous was bullshit because I thought step one for Overeaters Anonymous, for me, was bullshit. In so many words, and that's a quote from a conversation I had out loud with somebody else. And said the guy who had the gastric bypass. So even if I had been looking for a solution to my problem, I would not have been contemplating a way. I did believe in 12-step programs. In fact, I believed in them so much that um, in my job where I worked supporting entrepreneurs, I'd had this idea that like, maybe there should be like a 12-step fellowship for entrepreneurs. Um, Cause I had a lot of people in my life in 12-step recovery. And so on February 23rd of last year, I wound up going to YouTube and, and typing in big book step study because that someone had told me you should, this is, they had actually said you should read the big book. Now I had seen the big book quite a bit and I was like, wow, that's a really big book. And it's incredibly written in 1939. So is there, what's next on the list? And they were like, listen to a big book step study. And I was like, cool. What did that take? Like an hour? And they said, mm, we're like six. Okay. So it so happened I, on February 23rd of 2019, I had an unplanned, undesired 17-hour drive, and I went to YouTube and I typed big book step study. 
thinking I was going to get an AA big book step study. But YouTube is owned by Google. And Google is a service that I use for a lot of stuff. So Google, knowing me really, really well, returned a list of recommended videos. And right at the top was Laurie C's Overeaters Anonymous Big Book Step Study. Now, I work in digital marketing, so I knew exactly what had happened. Google was trying to be helpful. Google was like, oh, I know you well. Here, this will be the most useful thing that, that would help you in your, in your search. And I remember thinking, that is not what I asked for, Google. Like, that is not cool. Um, and I didn't want to listen to it because I was like, that's BS. I don't want to listen to it. But then I was like, I'm already in the tank for AA. Like, I don't need to be convinced that's a good idea. But if I can listen to this cockamamie bullshit and believe it's, like, good, or at least, like, it sort of makes sense to me, then maybe my idea for entrepreneurs is a good idea. So I was like, challenge accepted, Google. Uh, Google's my Ebby. And, um, and I started listening. And 20 minutes in, um, Laurie C. It's a lovely, by the way, I can't recommend it well enough. If you go to, to YouTube and search for OA Big Book Step Study, that will be the first search result, almost certainly. Uh, unless Google thinks you have some other problem and you would benefit from some other step study, apparently. So um, Laurie C. was talking, he was, he was telling the story of compulsive overeating and he like, it was so gross. It was like he had a full goose skin in his mouth and goose fat was dripping down. And I was, I remember driving and being like, I'm going to puke. This is disgusting. I can't, I'm going to have to turn this off. And then he said, for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. And I was like, like without even pausing to act to like inquire of my brain, are there any foods like that for me? My brain was like, sure. Like Coca-Cola and brownies and cookies and pasta and really good bagels, not like bad bagels, but good ones. And I was like, what, like what just happened? And that was the moment for me when I went from OA is bullshit and step one is bullshit to, oh my God, I think I might be a compulsive overeater. So um, it's been quite a journey since then for me. And uh, that was February 23rd. On February 25th, I finished the, or, or February, sorry, the next that was a Saturday. Sunday, I finished the drive in the step study. Sunday, uh, I got home and Monday, I just woke up to someone who didn't eat those foods anymore. I, I, people talk about being struck absent and, and that's not, that doesn't feel like the right way to describe it. I don't know. I just, I just didn't eat them anymore. Um, so anyway, uh, that, that's sort of my story and that's how I qualify in. I was also a devout agnostic when I came in. I am no longer a devout agnostic and that relates to feelings and fear for me. Um, so that's sort of my step one story, but it's really my step one through three story because I crashed through the first three steps and like landed at the foot of step four pretty fast. And it was such an abrupt transition that like, it was very disorienting at times. Um, but it wasn't until recently in working with a sponsee, uh, that this sponsee had suffered a lot of trauma in their past. Um, and, uh, and we were, we thought ready to begin step four for that sponsee. And the sponsee said uh, that they were just terrified to surrender to their higher power. And I said, okay, like, I, like it didn't, I wasn't thinking like, that's a reason to not do it. I was just thinking like, yeah, that's, that's normal. Like, yeah. And, and so I said, so is that like, but are, does that mean you're not going to surrender? And they said, yeah. And I was like, why? And they said, well, 
if I'm terrified of something, that's probably a pretty good sign I shouldn't do it. And I was like, where's that in the big book? Like, I don't, that does not, I do not remember that in the big book. The truth, because for me, and this is the truth I shared with them, I do, I spend way more of an average day terrified than I used to because I didn't feel my feelings before. And also because I didn't have a certain faith in a God that is everything before. I thought it was all my fault. I thought it was all my responsibility. I thought I was in the outcomes business, but I'm not in the outcomes business. I'm a choice provider, not an outcome decider. I make my choices. God decides the outcomes. And the reason that faith concert, I grew up with no religion of any kind. Okay. And I prayed maybe five times in my life by the time I, I came to this program. I now pray seven times in an average week. And it's not like a trivial prayer. It's like I'm on my knees for about 10 minutes by my bedside. I have a long thing that I read out loud. And like it's a thing. Um, my daughter thinks I'm crazy. The, um, what I wound up saying to that sponsee who did not want to surrender because they were terrified was I'm terrified much more now because today I understand that that fear, like the, the point of re like recovery is not, I'm never scared. Recovery is I hold space for fear and still doing the right thing. And the right thing for me is always to surrender because like, I truly believe that God is everything. And I, I take it literally and I'm part of everything. And that means that everything that's ever happened in my life and ever will happen and is happening right now is exactly what's supposed to happen. Who am I to judge that? I don't have the standing, nor do I, have, even if I have the standing, I don't have the perspective. I see the smallest slice of the smallest slice of the smallest slice of what's actually happening. I barely know what's going on in my own head most of the time. In fact, I never know all of what's going on in my head. So what makes me think is that five minutes? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, so what I said to them was, I have to surrender to recover because no human power can solve my problem because no human power created my problem. Who would choose this? I didn't choose it. That would be insane. And while my life was unmanageable and I was insane in a way, my insanity was not in having chosen this. My insanity was that I thought that I could. I didn't choose this any more than I chose being five, eight and having brown eyes. I was born this way. I was made this way. I didn't make me. Again, I don't have the standing. So what am I doing? So like when fears come up, okay, like the feelings are not facts. My fears are not facts. I have to, I do the footwork in part so that I have an interior spiritual space large enough for a big enough table with enough chairs at it that I always get to keep my seat and the feelings show up and I can acknowledge them, but they don't get my seat anymore. It used to be a tiny room with a tiny table and one chair and they would show up and I would wind up on my ass on the floor every time. But when I do my footwork, that room and that table gets a tiny bit larger every day and there's room for more chairs. And if they show up and they're like, and they're not just, and they're not like willing, content to just like take another seat. And they're like, no, I really want to throw food at you. Then I, I'm just like, okay, well then you have to go sit at the kid's table at that end of the room. I honor them and I respect them. I accept them, but I don't have to let them have my chair because it's my chair. And, and by that, I mean God's chair. 
So all that relates to like feelings and fear because like in order to recover, I have to fully accept that no human power can solve my problem because no human power created my problem because I am simply an addict. It's simply an attribute of me. It's not a personal failing. Like, you know, the A 12 and 12 starts out, like still open on my desk. Who cares to admit complete defeat? That's a pretty depressing sentence. But when you unpack it, admit, because we think of admit as like I'm admitting guilt. That's the most common use of admit in our language today. But all admit means is concede as true or valid. And all defeat means is prevention of success. I finally had to fully concede and accept as true and valid that no amount of thinking or acting or choosing was ever going to result in any amount of me not being an addict. I'm an addict. I'm always going to be. I'm always going to have brown eyes. And I'm, well, I probably won't always be five foot eight. I'll be a little shorter every day. Um, and there's a lot of like what, what I feel like is negativity in, in step one in the AA 12 and 12. And I get it. Cause like in the beginning, they really, they, they, they had, they had to have really low bottoms. And, and it's funny that like this entire chapter is divided into two pieces. And the first piece is we all had to have a super low bottom. And the second half is, but then we realized you don't actually have to have a super low bottom. So we raised the bottom to meet more people where they were. Yeah. So my bottom was acceptance not defeat. Defeat implies that I was fighting in a battle with something. And the truth is like, my disease wasn't even aware that it was in a battle. It's just part of who I am. Like, it's just like, if I hated that I had brown eyes, like my brown eyes would be unaware of that hatred. So um, anyway, I feel like now I'm just kind of babbling. So in summary, what I would say is if you're, if you're a newcomer, if you are resisting the notion that you're an addict, which is a word that for a long time I did not want to use to describe myself, even in my own head. And the thing that's hilarious to me now is when I finally did, when I finally said in my own head and then soon, soon after out loud, I'm an addict, it didn't feel bad. It felt great. It felt like relief because I, I am afflicted with my disease. I didn't inflict it on myself. It's not my fault. It is my responsibility to recover. That's the work. That's why I suit up and show up every day. Um, and for me, it's, you know, like I, like I was not trying to lose weight when I came in and I still don't care about the weight. By the way, when I do my footwork, the weight takes care of itself. But for me, the weight is just a trailing indicator of, am I doing my footwork well enough or not? Am I eating things that I need to not be? Am I eating things that I should not be eating or not? And if my weight goes up, and right now it's about 11 pounds up from my low. Like, okay. Like, that's, that's not why I do this. I do this because I like who I am today enormously better than I've ever liked any me before today. That's why I sit up and show up. And that's why I'm grateful for opportunities to do service like this. So if you're a newcomer and you're thinking, I don't want to be an addict, you either are or you aren't. And so try saying it out loud. See how it feels. And if it feels like relief, maybe you are. And maybe continuing to say it and just accept it is the path to recovery. It was for me. And with that, I pass.